Back in it and make it clear, it's your host Rob Lowe bringing y'all season three, episode 43. Back on the mic, getting close to season four. This is why I'm going to start playing these voice messages I'm getting there from the fans. You want to be a part of this? Hit me up, text me if you ain't got the number, hit up the social medias, inbox me, DM me on the social medias. If you ain't got that, then comment on the YouTube page or on the audio. FNSDC live on the YouTube page, you know what I'm saying? All I need is three things from you. Number one, shout out the show, shout out facts and stats. Number two, give an opinion that you got or anything going on in the world right now. Number three, plug in a business, plug in a project, anything that you associated with, affiliated with, and we all gonna get it popping together. This is Black History Year number three. We're not going to wait for the world to give us a whole year to celebrate our history. We do this all year round, bro. We do this. So I got another timeline full of greatness for y'all. Starting off the timeline, happy birthday, James Brown. One of the kings of this music. Born on this day, May 3rd, 1933, Barnwell, South Carolina, as an only child. He grew up singing, of course, winning talent shows and all that. Grew up boxing, too. And when he wasn't handing out ass whoopings, he was actually handing out clothes and goods, different stuff, to people that was in need on the block. But the way he was going about it was he was breaking in people's cars. He was breaking in different spots to get these clothes, get these items that he was passing out on some Robin Hood type shit. So he ended up getting caught with that and he was only 15 years old. They gave him an eight to 20 year sentence in juvie off stealing at that age, 15. I thought that was wild as a mug. Done, had my my run-ins with with stuff like that and I'm, I'm just lucky that I never got caught up like that. After he got locked up, he set up a gospel singing group, and that was called The Flames. Now, that was wild to me because the biggest reason why he ended up getting out of jail in four years, only serving that amount of time in his sentence, was because he went to the judge and told him about the gospel singing group, told him about his plans to become a gospel singer as he left out of jail and got his life back on track. So that letter led to him getting out, boom, 19 years old. He link up with the flames and they get straight to it. They had a hit single, but they fell off. He wanted to change the name to uh, James Brown and the Flames. You know, in 2021, that sounded like a good idea, but back in them, he. What was this, what, 1950s? They wasn't rocking for that, bro. They like, nah, we, we just as good as a singer as you. So they broke up. Uh, they got a new group together. But at this point, the label is not really supporting James Brown. They're not behind James Brown. They like, we're going to stop all the money that we giving you for your music, for your videos, all that, all that good stuff. So he put up his own money to go and make his own hit single called Try Me fire 
believing in yourself, investing in yourself, going after it, and knowing who the hell you is. Shout out to James Brown for that. He had other hits where he was speaking to our people and just the world for real, for real, with don't be a dropout telling the kids to stay in school. And then on the side, at the top, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Everybody, everybody know that. That's a hit. Everybody know that off the top. And I know that for my grandfather playing that record and it's a man's world. That yeah, them two. I remember them two off top. Anywhere I'm at, any any mind frame I'm at, any time I'm at, because my grandfather, shout out to him. James Brown had that natural booming voice. I wish I had a voice. The way that he performed when he was on stage, bro. Whatever, whatever suit he bought, the sweat must have came with it. Cause Bruh, every time you see him on stage getting it, he's sweating hard, fool. Sweating hard, mo. But I was like, yo, that's how you do it when you really on your shit, when you really doing your thing. And when he was up there dancing, he had all type of ankle and knee movement and all type of shit. But when he was saying his words, you could have drew a line, you know what I'm saying? on the top of his head, like his head was still, it was not moving when he was talking. So that's that's something that I want to pick up from. I want to learn, I want to continue to do and uh, just keep adding to the show like that. Cause he motivated his, he was a different type of motivator. You could say he was maybe like a, uh, uh, he was probably like the Michael Jordan, you know what I'm saying, a, a motivation with the music because uh, when he had a band playing with him, they would say that it would look like he was turning around to the band and just opening his hand like five. Like he counting and it's always on beat, like it's part of the show. But what he really doing is flashing his hand like that's $5 I'm about to find y'all. Cause y'all just missed the note. It was another, it was another story where he went into and then shout out the 85 South show because they had Dallas Austin on there. They showed the the power 85 South. I ain't know who Dallas Austin was. And I feel ashamed of myself for that. So shout out to 85. But Dallas told a story, right? And he was saying how he would James Brown would come in and just smack the shit out of his band members. All of them after the show, sometimes before the show, get them motivated, all type of wild shit, and they were still out there just doing their thing ASAP all, all the time. So that was it, it, it looked good when it worked, but it only worked for certain people. And people like James Brown, it worked for he had all the dances, like I told y'all earlier. The only dance grandpa told me that he could get down with the boogaloo. Hey, hey, that's that's his words. That's He could only get the boogaloo. But, hey, I'm here, so it, it must have worked out good for him. Shout out to Grandpa. He also said that he went to a bunch of his shows in VA with Sam Cooke and all them, and they used to rock the show all the time, anytime. 
So shout out to Grandpa. Shout out to James Brown. Because James Brown always moved at his own beat. And that's the same thing you could say for Charles Barkley. No music involved. I mean, unless unless he got a mixtape or album out, ain't nobody heard of. You know what I'm saying? But it is proof of him playing his college basketball in his home state of Auburn and starting his NBA career with the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, he got traded to the Suns eight years in after the 92 season. In his first year with the Suns, 25 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, got him the MVP of the NBA. Went all the way to the NBA Finals where he lost to Michael Jordan in the Bulls. Or you could say, you know, James Brown in the Bulls. It's up to you. It's up to you. You know what I'm saying? Back to the timeline, though. May 4th, 1994, first round of the playoffs. The Suns was up. 2-0 and went to Golden State for game three. Now, back in these days, back in these days, like 20, 27 years ago, the year after I was born. So, yeah, I got to say back in these days. Back in these days, it was a three-game series or five-game series in the first round. So, all you had to do was win three games out of five instead of winning four games out of seven. So at this point, the Suns can't sweep the Warriors in this game. And I seen Charles Barkley have a quote he played before the game, a little interview where he was like, yeah, with a young team, you don't want to allow them to get a rhythm. You know what I'm saying? You don't want them to get a confidence going so that they can even believe that they're going to win the game. You just got to take that away especially with the young boys being at home. So this game, Charles Barkley backed up his words. This was a mid-range class, mid-range class. And you know what a good teacher is. What's the first rule? You can only ask a question if your hand is up. They ain't even had their hands up, y'all. How they going to learn? They couldn't, bruh. They was daring him to shoot. They were scared of his drive. They wasn't bringing the double team in the first half. So he just catched the ball on the block, turn, face, shoot that. Uh, get the ball on the block, he turned his back, fade away. Got him. On the block, oh, give him a little fake one way, go back the other way, pump fake, wait for him to come down. Oh, fade away. Got him. 12 points in the first five minutes off all jumpers. Charles Barkley was out there cooking. And then Doug Collins, the coach, former coach, former player, turned announcer, came on there and was like, okay, it's the playoffs. And Charles getting up there in age, he's 31. He can only dominate two quarters. He can't dominate four. Charles, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I may as well run it up now then. Catch and shoot three, boom, extending the range. They still not coming out to check him for real. So now he dribbling up off the rebound. He feeling good. The heat check, the walk up three. That's cash two. Get the ball back, bruh. 
now the this man, this is the point where the, the players is looking at the coach like, all right, coach, coach, you I know you told me what to do, but hey, hey, slim hot right now. So they they be trying to walk out to him, but then all he gotta do is one dribble on the floor, they fly back to the paint. He step back, he gets saucy on them. Three money. Now, now at this point, they'll know what the hell to do. Charles got 27 points in the first quarter. All in the first quarter. And then Doug Collins came back. And now he like, oh, well, it looks like Charles Barkley really wants the ball. Uh, what, what was his quote? He was like, it's the quickest I seen Charles Barkley change ends of, of the floor all year. So just made it him going offense to defense, defense to offense. Like, oh, he's looking quick. I'm like, yeah. You don't see him turning up. Now people, and now you see him posting up now, and now people is leaning. They trying to get that contest on that mid-range, all that fadeaway that he got going on. So what he do? Start backing him down, drop step to the paint. That just mean a quick move where he step into the rim, Turn your shoulder, get your elbow with him, clear about getting straight to the cup. You got a couple of them, and then mixed in the fade away too. So now they still on ice. They still skating. They still don't know what to do. Man's got 38 points in the first half on him. That's one away from the playoff record, 39 points by Sleepy Floyd. Now, Charles played most of the first three quarters. He got a small break at the end. Golden State went into the fourth quarter up by one point. And in this season, they was 35-1 and one going into the fourth quarter with a lead. Every time they had that lead in the fourth quarter, they was 35-1 and one going in. But this is perfect time for an all-time great player to get back in his bag. Not no paper. Not no plastic. We talking about that good grocery bag, that good mug, that junk with the good space in it. You know, he got the bottom in it, got the good hand, all, all that he got. He reached in that bag and got the extras. Came through as soon as he caught the junk. Uh, post up, quickest spin he did all day. Because they were starting to bring the double team in the second half. They changed Chris Webber on him and start guarding him. So he went quick. Uh. Got him straight to the reverse layup on the other side. Couldn't reach him. Threw his fist, showed the emotion, you know what I'm saying? Put them up by eight at that point. He had 50 points at that point. Hit the free throw and all that. So they was feeling good. It was feeling like they was they was ready to take over this game. He wasn't done, no. Hop, step in the lane, come to a two-foot stop. Uh. Mean fade away, mean lean back over the contest, but the killer one, the last one that really took their heart. He went drop step on the baseline. Chris Webber, good defense, cut it off. Two dribbles, step back, fade away on the baseline. He falling out of bounds, bruh. Clean, all net. That was the game. All that equaled up to 56 points in a three-game sweep of the Golden State Warriors classic from Charles Barkley. Now, Charles Barkley, man, he made the newspaper for a lot of different reasons, but that's another story for another day. 
It was a lot of reasons to start the Chicago Defender too. Back to the timeline, May 5th, 1905, Robert Abbott started the Chicago Defender, a legendary black newspaper. Of course, they was on the north side, so they had more ability to speak on the world, what was going on down south, get the people up north hip on a day-to-day basis. If they wasn't plugged in already, they kept it real with the headlines, kept it real with the pictures and everything. But the biggest goal was to spread word to the South about the freedoms up North. And they had to smuggle it down there like it was drugs. That was crazy to me. They had to literally keep it tucked and pass it out to people. They didn't want us to learn how to read, let alone be able to read something that was going to get us free. Just to be able for us to know because people got Jim Crow laws, they share cropping for certain people, basically slavery, but it's other people who don't even know what's going on. So that that was their whole goal. That was everything that they was trying to accomplish. The way they did that is by promoting stories from people that escaped and came up north, putting them on the front page, letting everybody know that that was possible. And then they made a moment of their own. They credited with setting up Great Migration Day, promoting it May 15th, 1917, 12 years after they started. That was during World War I, where millions of people started leaving the South. They was a part of that movement in, in that time. And then over the next 50 years, of course, also, that's what they call the whole Great Migration that whole 50 year stretch of 1917 up to like 1970, millions of us got free and left, went up north. That's legendary, man. Shout out, big shout outs to them. It's the first black newspaper with the comic strips in it. They had uh, the first newspaper to have Langston Hughes and, and wow, nice poets writing poetry. And they newspapers, a daily paper, getting it out to everybody. Man, they currently still going on. It's all online through their website now, chicagodefender.com. I love finding important pieces of our history, especially the ones that's that's in the tuck, in the secret, because it, it just showed to me that everybody got a part in the movement. It's not just the people that are the most popular and everybody hear about all the time. We all got a part in it. And and your part in in the movement is all based off of how you execute it, how you put it together, and and, and the quality of what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily the story that comes along with it. That's for people like me. That's for people like us to keep passing around. But also want to say this because this is where my mind go on this topic north and south of course they was different back in the day but it's still america you still in the usa bruh so i don't want to understate i don't want to understate they part and the risk that they was taken by putting this information out in the way that they was doing, regardless of, regardless of some media laws or anything that's supposed to protect them, 
They still had to watch their back extra. They still had to make sacrifices. As if they was in the South. So I want to shout out to that, that sacrifice, man. I want to shout out to the Chicago Defender. Big time salute. Chris Paul ain't from Chicago, but he played basketball like it. Back to the timeline. You got to know the Chicago lifestyle. Watch uh, uh, Knuckleheads, Quentin Richardson, to tell you all about that. Uh, Chris Paul was born May 6, 1985 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Played college ball in his home state, too, at Wake Forest. And my intro to him came in his freshman year when he was playing ball on TV and they announcer was telling a story about him from high school. Uh, his grandmother had passed away. RIP to his grandmother. She was 61 when she passed away. First game that Chris Paul came back and played, had 59 points late in the game. Put up a shot, he make it, but here the wild part, he get fouled too. So he go to the free throw line and miss him on purpose. 61 for grandma. So off bucks, I'm a fan of Chris Paul. You really can't tell me nothing. And then I look at him on the court. He's showing his leadership on offense and defense, setting up the whole game for everybody. And then he taking the other point guard out. They other offense. So they can't, they running some some other shit that they don't even want to run because they he taking time off the clock. Point guard could barely dribble coming up the court. Chris Paul would lock up like that. And he had the handles when he got the ball, of course. Nasty handles, but it was necessary handles. I'm gonna tell y'all the difference between necessary and baseline handles. Baseline handles, that's when you know they're going to give you four or five between the leg, behind the back crossovers before they get their shot up. A necessary handle, somebody that's going to give you the least amount of crossovers to get to their spot. So if he need 10, he'll give you 10. But if he only need one, he only going to give one, and he going to keep it pushing. And he kept it moving. He kept it moving all the time when he was getting into that pick and roll, masked off that. Best pass in the NBA right now. So you know in college he was, uh, uh, I see you, uh, behind the back. I, I got you getting dimes to everybody. And then, of course, when he got into that mid-range jump shot, he could shoot it over somebody five feet, six feet, seven feet, eight feet. He's out like the, the way he saw, bro. What Corey does, bro. It don't matter how tall you is. He could still lean back and get that fadeaway up over you, even though he only about six feet, maybe. Now, he's six feet. It's his birthday, Chris Paul, six feet. <laughs> six feet for show, Chris Paul. Rookie of the year right off the break, but his real introduction was in his third year, first playoff series versus the Dallas Mavericks, and Jason Kidd gave Jason Kidd 35 and 10. One little move, bumped him off, threw the float up in the lane. He walking back. See the camera, he like, he can't guard me. He can't guard me. Bruh, at that moment again, I became another level of a fan of Chris Paul. And then the Jones just went up again 
where he had a triple double in game five and got the Mavs up out of there in five games. First playoff series, won that zone in five. So coming into that summer, 2008, already knew what time it was with Chris Paul. I knew he was like that. And I knew his team was going to be like that. I'm talking about the Olympic team, though. The summer Olympic team of 2008. Him, Jason Kidd, who couldn't guard him, but was still a great point guard, top five point guard all time to me. That's why I have so much respect for that moment. Kobe, LeBron. Yeah. D-Wade. You got Chris Bosh and Dwight Howard when they was averaging 20 and 10 young and they was in their prime doing their thing. Few other pieces that I'm missing off the top. So this is the only time I ever had a debate where I realized I got mad at my aunt, Aunt Shanshan, the girl that I always talk about sports with. I don't know if she remember, I remember vividly. Yeah, I real I yeah, I realized I took it some type of way. I was like, don't talk to me. All all I actually had to come over. And yeah, yeah, get me right. But the debate was about, I said, I seen the potential in this 2018 that they could beat the dream team of 1992. It was funny because they was called the redeem team because they was both put together because the USA was losing and they needed, they needed some help. But my point is we went at it that day and Chris Paul was part of the reason I feel like he's going to turn into one of the best point guards ever. Might be in my top five when anything's said and done. He played for four teams in his career. But the second one was supposed to be the Lakers. The Hornets was ran by the NBA. It's the weirdest shit ever. The, the people they put in charge to make the trade, it went through. They cheated Chris Paul out a chip. They cheated the Lakers out a chip that was going to be automatic. Him and Kobe, that was going to be automatic. It wasn't going to be nothing to talk about. He ended up going to the Clippers, though. Ended up going to the Los Angeles Clippers, that other team, and made Lob City, where he had two grown men, Blake Griffith, DeAndre Joy, jumping around on the sidewalk like Lob City by the catch. So many alley-oops. Problem was it, was, it was more to the game than just Lob. So that ain't really work out for him. His third team with the Rockets, it went a a little bit better. They went to the Western Conference Finals versus Golden State in another one of my favorite CP3 moments. Steph Curry always do the little shimmy. He always shake his shoulders after he hit a big three. He do it to the sideline, though. He do it not in nobody's face. Chris Paul hit a three in game five. He hit the shimmy, but he's getting in Steph's way. Like, he, he backpedaling. Chevy getting his step, making sure he see it in his face. And I love that trash talk, even though that ain't work out for him like it was supposed to in the end because he ended up getting hurt with a hamstring. Forever be one of my favorite moments from CP3 on that one. Then after that, he went to OKC. He messed up their situation a little bit because they was trying to tank. They ain't even want to win, for real, for real. They thought trading West, Russell Westbrook and cleaning out the whole team, they was going to get a, a good pick and a good couple picks because they stacked in their picks department from all the trades that they made these last few years. So he messed that up, took them to the playoffs when they didn't even want to go. 
So they like, oh, nah, you got to go. So they traded him to the Suns, y'all, and that's where he at right now. He going to be an automatic Hall of Famer right off the break. So don't, don't worry nothing about that. We talked about the 85 South Show earlier. Million Dollars Worth of Game. That's another good podcast to check out on YouTube. They had G Herbo on, my man, 100 grand. They talking all real shit. So I'm going to let them close up shop. Rob Lowe. Peace. People really, they get, they get shortcut, you know what I'm saying, when they try to, like, jump into that lane and they don't really know how to maneuver because now you're carrying a gun and somebody might see you with a gun and just automatically think you that they might try to take your gun they might try to try you all that you feel what i'm saying just because you're trying to portray that image like it's all right to be it's a, it's all right to be scared to be nervous but somebody's got to carry their gun and they nervous because somebody actually trying to kill them you feel what i'm saying like and you could go grab a gun because maybe your neighborhood dangerous or people getting killed or this that and the third but it's like I feel like everybody don't even really need it. Like, you don't yeah. really need no gun if you don't got none of that type of stuff going on. You feel <clears> what I'm saying? And, and hold on, let me elaborate on what he's saying. To me, that be the dumbest shit that, that the young niggas say and do. Like, you'll have a young nigga who is not beefing with nobody. Exactly. Don't have no drama. Exactly. Don't even got a, don't even got a record. So he can go get a fucking legal gun and be legal out mm-hmm. here, but he'll be a carrying a, a legal gun for nothing. Ain't for beefing no with nobody. Ain't got no drama. Ain't got nothing on it that, that somebody want to take. Ain't got no reason for nobody to fuck with you. And it's like, what you got? I'd rather be caught with it than without it. Yeah. But nigga, you not going through you it. Ain't with nobody. Got no, the only body going to catch you with it is the fucking police. And your mind is a powerful book thing, man. Your mind and manifestation is real. So it's like, if you going out every day thinking something going to happen, no, no, obviously no, no, no. probably get I real, I realized that, I had to realize after a while, after being out here, because I really didn't know what was going on when I first came home, that most people out here, they got imaginary ops. Yeah. Ghosts. Like, yeah, the ops. I'm like, I told a dude I know, he's like, dog, you go to work every day. You're not no street nigga. Who's the exactly. ops? Like, so how can somebody trying to kill you like, putting a location You understand on the definition of that shit? I'm like, yo, oh, but the ops, I'm like, dog, you watch too many rap videos. <laughs> the fuck is you talking about? 